This week on the Sports Initiative podcast, I sit down with Yale men's head soccer coach, Kylie Stannard. He discusses the challenges for high achievers, both in an academic and athletic context, some of the key challenges he faced when moving into a losing programme and how he aimed to turn this around, as well as his experiences in high-performing cultures and what are the keys to prolonged success. As always, if you enjoy this podcast, make sure you share it with friends and family. I hope you enjoy. Kylie, first of all, thank you for bearing with me last week. I know we'd made a, a, a date in the diary and then I had to kind of, a, 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 well, change that last minute. So I appreciate your flexibility with that. Um, how are you? Are you all safe and well at the moment? Yeah, no no worries about last week, Michael, and really appreciate you having me on and, and excited to have the conversation with you today. And all good here, you know, things are moving in the right direction. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, but the NCA recruiting period just reopened for us a couple of days ago so we're we're feeling like we're getting back to some normalcy here yeah I did see some of your social media which was you I think with a person their arms yeah. up almost praying to the sky I think yeah like you said kind of doing the virtual recruitment or virtual world in general um, yeah. it's been a long hard slog for anyone so I can imagine that uh, for you guys being able to get back out and doing what you love is, is absolutely great. Um, so for people that don't necessarily know who you are, don't know your yeah. background, you just want to kind of go over, uh, obviously, what your role is and, and what that entails, I guess, as an overall summary. Yeah, yeah. No, so I, um, I'm the head men's soccer coach here at Yale University, which is, uh, you know, competes in the Ivy League, uh, which is the oldest uh, conference in, in the United States for collegiate athletics, also in the Division I athletic setting, so the highest, the highest level um, here for amateur in the United States. And um, I am will be entering my sixth season, which would be my seventh season had, had it not been for the, the pandemic. Um, but I started here in January of 2015. Um, and, you know, as you know, Michael came into a program that was, was struggling quite a bit and, and had had some rough years and um, you know, had been able to bring us back to being nationally competitive. We won the Ivy League in our last season in the fall of 19 and uh, were ranked in the top 25 nationally that year. And, uh, you know, so I think have some really positive momentum. I think we have our challenges ahead of us to, to regain some of that momentum um, just with the Ivy League not competing this past year, but, but excited for that. And, um, you know, just kind of the quick... Uh, path, you know, on, on a, you know, kind of shortened level before getting to, to Yale, I was the top assistant and then head or associate head coach at Michigan State University uh, for six years prior to Yale, uh, which competes in the Big Ten Conference. And prior to that, then at Northern Illinois University, which is just outside of Chicago. And that's kind of where I got my, uh, my college coaching feet wet and, and just building my experience, starting out as a volunteer, being elevated into the second assistant position. That's where I worked with uh, one of your previous um, 
attendees on the podcast, um, Steve Simmons, uh, who, who was my boss there. And, and then prior to that, I, I was kind of balancing both the, the normal, you know, real world of, of, of working in a, in a business, you know, setting and, and then coaching at the club level, uh, and what's called Olympic development here. Um, and, and then, you know, kind of living more of a normal life, I would say, um, and, and that was then after my experience playing collegiate at Creighton University, um, also a Division I institution, and um, historically one of, one of the a top 20 program and was fortunate enough to uh, play on some really, really good teams there, a Final Four team, an Elite Eight team, ranked number one in the country for a couple of weeks. And, uh, but what I honestly always admit to, to everyone is like, I was, I was a very solid role player and Mr. Versatile on, on some really, really good teams with a lot of good players. Over 20 guys ended up playing pro um, that, I, that I played with during my time at Creighton. Um, and, and I was the guy to, to plug into just about any position and, um, you know, with, with minutes here and there, but uh, really enjoyed my experience at Creighton and you know, that's, uh, that's kind of the quick snapshot, I guess, of, of my, my playing background um, and, you know, never played at the professional level, but certainly the highest level amateur here and with a lot of guys that end up being professionals. No, perfect. That's a really good overview. And obviously we'll dive into that a little bit more. I yeah. guess the first question and the easiest one is how did having last season essentially wiped out because of COVID affect yeah. you guys, I guess, in terms of a practical setting with a lot of your older players maybe missing out their senior years, et cetera, but also from a, I guess, developmental standpoint, a lot of the younger players that you're bringing into the program aren't going to get exposure to the type of work and development in terms of technique, et cetera, that you normally would be able to get into them. So how do you think that's affected you kind of on a practical level? Yeah, I think, you know, there's no, you know, there's no way of sugarcoating it necessarily. It, you know, it's been really hard uh, on on all of us, and especially those that would have been in in their final year as seniors here. And you know, I, I feel for for them, and, and of course all all student athletes that went through that experience. Of course, there's you know there's many more bigger things in life as well uh, when we're talking a global pandemic. But but on the smaller scale, as it relates to us, that that was tough. Um, I think one of the things that is probably most difficult is the work that we had done to, uh, you know, get to where we were here at Yale and, and kind of climbing the ladder of, of being, you know, one of the five worst teams in, in all of Division I uh, men's soccer to, you know, winning the Ivy League and, and being ranked in the top 25 is to me, it wasn't a flash in, in a pan type of season. It was it was a, an accumulation of of a lot of hard, diligent work with a lot of challenges to get there, and we had really great momentum. So we were returning eight out of eleven starters. Five out of eight were all Ivy level players. So you know, had really great seasons. We had a really strong returning group along with a top 20 ranked recruiting class including um one of our our top recruits who you know was uh, an academy product of new york city fc and then 
ended up signing um, a homegrown contract with with New York City FC um, because you know he was going to be missing out on on the the collegiate experience this past year and losing that development and so um, so totally understand he decided to pursue that that route um, but that you know we we had a really good group uh, the all the offensive Ivy League player of the year returning um, to me the best center back the best goalkeeper. Uh, and so we were built for sustained success. And, you know, now with the, with the long break, it, we were one of only two conferences in the entire country, the Ivy League and the Big West Conference, that didn't compete at all this past year. So majority of conferences were able to at least compete this past spring. Um, and so they're somewhat back into a routine, both with the you know, the relationship part, the team building, the team bonding, the cohesiveness on and off the field, and then certainly just the physical and physiological demands of, of the game competing at that at that high level. So um, we each of the Ivies had their own challenges with how with how their campuses um, de-densified and, and had certain classes on campus versus um, versus some that were not in the various semesters. So, so each Ivy has its own challenges, but in the end, like uh, we'll go into this August, um, you know, hopefully things are looking positively um, for, for getting back into a fall season, but we'll have three classes that will have never hung out together, let alone played and competed together. Um, and so that that'll be over 20 guys that that uh, are in essence brand new in a lot of ways. And so um, so the great thing is is that the young men I have the pleasure of working with are innately in, motivated, driven, and very high high work ethic um, young men. And so they are they're finding ways you know those guys that we were able to work with here um worked incredibly hard and then those guys that weren't here found teams and other opportunities to train and play and maintain strength and conditioning and um so and a lot of them are having to do that this summer even more uh just so that we can come in and as best as possible hit the ground running and um you know try to regain that momentum that we had built and obviously i'd imagine with the older ones leaving um you kind of seniors etc you're probably going to lose some corporate knowledge that maybe wasn't passed on to uh freshmen that traditionally it would be yeah. obviously you've yeah. got those seniors who are able to you know architect this culture around them and say well this is the way that we like to play or these are the standards we keep so how have you gone around trying to keep that knowledge in the building and how have you gone about trying to pass it on in a less traditional sense than you normally would? Yeah, that that's literally the million dollar question. I think that that is something that my staff and I have, have talked about so many times and, and really the probably even the bigger challenge than the on the field part is, is the lack of our ability to further develop our culture and leadership. Um, so a lot has been thrown on to what, what is our current junior class um, that will be, you know, elevated obviously this fall into senior roles. Um, and, and then our current 
sophomore class, which has only played a season for us, that have all of a sudden will be elevated into junior, which are considered upperclassmen roles and, and, and oftentimes leadership roles, but they haven't had tangible time and, and work and evidence um, in the trenches to really to really build relationships and and learn, um, you know, practic in, in practical terms of, you know, helping maintain build leadership, maintain culture, and, and things of the sort, and so. Like everyone, we've been in a virtual world. So we have, I do think comparatively to a lot of programs that I've, I've talked with, I think we've probably done above and beyond with the number of, of individual player calls that we've had and team calls that we've had and the work we've done, you know, some tactical work and video work, but more so just from a from a team bonding, leadership standpoint, culture building, um, we, we've done a lot of that. We actually just went through a, an activity the past few months, really giving even more ownership to our players to try to mold our, our program into what they want it to, to look like. So certainly coaches are, were there to kind of help guide our leadership council or, or group that we have. Um, but in essence, it's their voice and, and they were the ones kind of meeting on their own and um, taking what they had learned from the older guys that, that, you know, had been through some of the, you know, the challenges and then the rise to, to mold it into this, this new kind of vision and, and dire direction and everything. So in the end, we came up with kind of, a, you know, this new, I guess, pyramid and, and you know, kind of program identity that that we want to uphold and and really put together by by the players. So we're hoping that that's something that everyone can truly feel connected with and and you know create that ownership to build on even further. Was there any particular activities um, that were or tasks that were set to this group in order to kind of I guess sculpt these or formalize these or was there anything you particularly set that you had success with yeah so in essence I, I my non-negotiables for them and 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 you know I I just said here's the thing I I want our program to be an elite program that we we want to be the best that we can be it's that that's the ambition you know that that we have and that I I want us to formulate this have you guys formulate this vision and identity um, with that end in mind. And, and then kind of the, the basics of that are just character, integrity, work ethic, you know, kind of grit um, and selflessness. And, and I guess like probably using some of our old words that I started with here at Yale, which is kind of a, a, a cheesy but effective acronym called CRISP. So C-C-R-I-S-P, and that stands for being confident um, with, with each other and ourselves as a, as a team, being consistent. So really focused on the day in, day out process of, um, you know, of, yeah, just being your best every day and, and learning and moving forward. 
relentless, which is that kind of edge that I, in competitiveness that I want within our program. Intelligence, um, which, you know, at Yale, we have really intelligent kids, but, but not just that. It's more about just being, you know, intelligent in our decisions as a team on and off the field and, and um, a, as a program and who we represent. And, and then also making good soccer decisions on the field as well, too. Selfless, which again is such a key of, of any team performing at a high level, is is uh, you know everyone kind of um, you know checking their egos at the do door and, and really focusing on on team and family first. And then lastly, the P is for passionate. So really, just having that that pride in putting on the jersey, the Yale jersey, the Y, and and representing. Um, what our program stands for, but understanding it's so much bigger of the guys that have played before, um, the athletic department and the university. So, um, you know, playing with that kind of passion and, and pride. So, so that was kind of the foundation that I said, all right, these, you guys figure out how withholding those fundamental um, values, what does it look like between there and being being elite. Um, and so that's what they kind of put together. Um, and, and so that was the kind of, and then we just met on a, probably every couple of weeks just to discuss some of their thoughts and ideas and coaches would, would, you know, ask some questions and, um, we'd have some dialogue about it, but it was, it was really over a solid, you know, two, two and a half months that we were going through that process. Cool. That's really interesting. I guess it links back to the start of your journey, which we'll get onto now. So something you alluded to earlier that um, obviously Yale, when you very first came into the program, had had a, a rough few seasons, a rough year yeah. and not won a lot of games. So I guess the simplest question is, why did you take the job or why did you want the job or why did the job interest you to even begin with? Because you were at, I believe, Michigan State and were in a you know, quite a powerhouse program that was having a lot of success. So what draw, drew you towards the vacancy? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, Yale is, is Yale, you know, I think it, it's as simple as that. It's, it's one of the most elite and prestigious academic institutions, not only in the United States, but in the entire world. It, it has a, a truly world brand name, um, you can get off the plane probably just about anywhere in the world and and most everyone is going to know what Yale is. Um, and so that's like by itself just um, you know, re remarkable and quite honestly, a little overwhelming. Um, and, and, and I'll be also the first to say, and I always joke with, with, you know, any, any players or, or staff or recruits or alumni, like, I probably couldn't have the the transcripts or test scores to get into Yale. Um, so everyone I, I work with is a heck of a lot smarter than me. Um, but but that's you know being around people here at Yale is really motivating. And 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 I think and it just whenever you're around in as you know you're so defined by your environment. So when you're in an environment that is so high achieving, um, then it just motivates you that much more. And, and so, um, and, and I have great ambition. And, and I think the other part, uh, 
you know, Yale's Yale, but I also, it's so, it's so competitive and so challenging to, um, to become a, a head coach at the division one level and really any level, but, but there's only 205, maybe 206 division one programs in all of the United States. And so and there are a lot of great coaches out there. Uh, and so uh, I am incredibly grateful for the opportunity that I had here. And when it, when it became a possibility, it, it was a no brainer, even though I probably didn't know exactly what I was getting myself into, quite honestly. You know, you can, you can research it and you can kind of, you know, see it from afar what, what it is, but you don't really know until you're in the thick of it. And um, I'll, I'll be honest also, it was probably surprising because I, I had, you know, looked into some other possibilities prior to Yale as well, too. And, you know, what I would probably consider a quote unquote better fit in, in from, from a just an overall standpoint. But, you know, here we are, um, you know, I get the opportunity at Yale and, and uh, you know, it's worked out pretty, pretty well. And, um, but I think it was a huge challenge that, um, I, you know, as you mentioned, coming from Michigan State, we were back-to-back -back Elite Eights. Um, you know, we were the number three overall seed in the tournament in 2014. And, you know, so, so going from a really consistent winning environment and really everywhere I had been had been a consistent winner um, to a program that needed a, a huge turnaround um, and a lot of work was incredibly hard and more than I even thought was going, you know, what was going to be needed. But, um, but that being said, like, I think it allowed me to kind of um, just build, I guess, build it the way that I wanted more than if I come into even a, you know, a, a decent team and certainly an elite team. It's like, you kind of, you can only make small tweaks and changes and you don't want to make anything too drastic. Here, it was, I, you know, I certainly wasn't starting from scratch by any means, but, you know, I, I it was more of a building job, um, you know, that I could put my stamp on it. Um, and so I think that was the part of the draw for that. Um, now, what I will say is like, you know, admittedly, I probably tried to change too much too early. And, and that, that's something that I really learned about. And, you know, that was probably one of the things that I would um, try to reevaluate and, and maybe make some changes by, if I had to do it over again in that way. Um, okay. So but let's I talk also think that. that's part of what's let's that. Let's talk through that process. So what yeah. I was about to say was before, well, obviously you would have known that either the university was interested in you or you put your application in and thought, actually, I'm getting to a stage where this might happen. What research did you do going into the vacancy? So you had an understanding of the environment, the culture, the athletics department, the roster, the other coaches, etc. And then when you got in, what did you try and change early on? Um, and maybe what went well and what things would you actually reconsider looking back with hindsight? Yeah, no, I think um, I did. I think it was 
it wasn't the easiest time to balance, you know, the the research because it I, we were in the thick of the NCAA tournament at Michigan State at the time. So, um, and I was in charge of pretty much all all video and scouting and and you know a lot of the day to day stuff. Um, so balancing that work with trying to you know look into this possibility and and do the preparation and work necessary. Um, was uh, even more sleep sleepless nights. Um, but but that being said, I think just a lot of phone calls with um, even even the former head coach uh, here at Yale who um, you know had been here for 19 years and obviously had a lot of institutional knowledge and knew the team inside and out. and he was transitioning into an administrative role so he was still going to be, around so it wasn't like it that didn't end necessarily on a bad note but it was just he admittedly knew it was time to to move on as well and so so I I used him and and a couple of the other assistants that had used to work here just to to learn more about it I talked to most if not all of the other Ivy League head coaches just to kind of learn about it and hear what they had to say about Yale um, and, you know, the pros and cons of that. Um, certainly ask questions among the administrators and, and some of the alumni that were involved in the process. Um, and and, was, there, and watch, was there anything in particular you were looking for? Was there any particular background you were trying to gain or was it just a general perspective that you were? I, I think a little bit of both. I, I think the... Um, I definitely wanted to find out if this is a place that you could win um, and and be successful. And you know, I, I looked at teams like the men's basketball, um, women's volleyball, men's lacrosse, uh, the rowing team in particular. Those those were competing at a really high level at nationally. So. So I thought, and, 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 and football was on the trajectory up as well too. So, so I saw those teams, okay, you can, you can do well here. There, it, is, it is possible. They're competing at a national level. Um, each sport has its challenges, of course. But um, so that was really important to me to see, okay, there are teams that are having success. This can be done. Um, and, then, and then I think just learning about, you know, the asking questions about, uh, about the challenges that, that people would have so that I could best educate myself of what I was getting myself into. Um, even though, as I mentioned, you don't truly, truly know until you're in it. But um, I think the trying to figure out how extra demanding it is being a student athlete as you know in an ivy league institution because while there are hundreds if not thousands of great universities out there there still is something just different about an ivy league institution and the work and rigor that is required to be a student let alone a student athlete here is just more it, it is more time demanding and with higher expectations than, than many in most places. Um, so balancing being an elite student and an elite athlete um, with those demands is something I, I really wanted to try to find out more about. But the more I looked into it, it's like, okay, 
as long if you find the right, you know, the right people, then and, and your recruitment is good, then you can you can get it done. You can build the culture that you want to to have that success. Perfect. That make that makes complete sense. So in terms of when you've then got the role, so you've done all this research and you've gone, you know what, I think I can win. I think I can create the culture that I want to coach culture and I think that I add value to them because it's obviously a big one you don't want to go in and feel like actually you add no value to the institution yeah. themselves so you've gone into the role what type of changes did you try and implement early on um, and which of those maybe had success and which of those do you think actually either I was wrong to try and bring them in as quickly as I did or actually they had no place for for being in the program yeah yeah I think probably one of the big things that I underestimated um, is, is just the relationship part of coming into just a brand new setting. So I was so used to, you know, I was primarily the, the recruiter wherever I was as an assistant coach. So you build those relationships with the young men and their families from the time they're, you know, 16 years old through their entire career. So those are really solidified relationships um, where with a lot of trust and, and a lot of uh, investment in, into that, a lot of emotional um, investment. And I think it was hard for me. I didn't quite know how best to build those relationships with a brand new set of people. Um, and and I think that was one of the things I could have done a better job with and spent more time with is, is getting to know the, the players that were on the team that I was coming into. And then, and then also even more relationship building with their families as well, because while, while, you know, parents aren't super involved at the collegiate level they certainly are much more than at let's say a professional level and so there is still a balance of you know they are entrusting coaches to um you know to lead their their sons and and to be good role models and to um you know try to do the right things but you know also be in a really competitive environment so so i think if, if in hindsight, I, I would probably try to do even more to, to build relationships and try to get to know the current players that I was, I was coming into as well as their families. Um, and so that they could get to know me as well too. And because I think a lot of times um, if things are coming from a, a player to let's say their, their parents, there's going to be a different message or perspective to it than what I might provide. Um, and so I think providing that perspective to more people, I think could have really, really helped. And, and, uh, you know, and, and I came in with, they, they didn't probably have, um, I think it was, it was a little bit of like, I, I understood the rigors being more at a, a place like Yale, but again, I think I still, it took me time to truly understand that. And so, you know, like I came in heavy with pretty much everything in the early mornings and, you know, going from, they had pretty limited demands on them in the off season prior to me coming. 
And, and I came in with a lot of demands and trying to maximize whatever allowable hours that we were able to use uh, with them. And I think that went from like very little to a lot. And, and that was a, probably a shock to their, their system. And, and I think anytime you have that huge amount of change, there can be a, some natural like, you know, uncertainty, resistance, like, and, and just, you know, so I think that that piece was, was a big thing. And so that could have been something where maybe I, I transition that a little bit more smoothly and, and maybe it's not, you know, trying to lessen time demand, but being a little bit more flexible with, with it and maybe looking to schedule some things a little bit differently. Um, and, and allow, yeah, allow a little bit more flexibility that maybe isn't as normal at a place like Michigan State and many others, um, where you have just a little bit more uh, control, I, I would say, in, in some ways. And so I had to learn how to adapt and be, be more flexible with the demands that they were having. Um, and then the next thing I would say is like the, the, young men and women here at Yale um, and like institutions, like they, they often look to get job opportunities and internships and, and really high level stuff in the summer months. And that can be, that's a great thing, of course, but it can also inhibit, you know, soccer, football development in those really important summer months where, the best programs out there, those are, that's what the best players are doing. They're, they're still finding competitive teams to train and play with throughout the summer. And, you know, for those that don't know, our primary season here for Division I men's soccer is usually in the fall. So it's so important for our players to maintain their fitness and their playing and um, coming in as, as, fit, healthy, and sharp as possible into August. Whereas in previous years at Yale, I think one of the big reasons where they struggled is the players weren't doing much soccer in the summer. You know, they were focused on other things, jobs, and maybe they were doing some things on the side, but they were planning to come in and compete at a really high level in August without having done the work to, to be ready for that. And so um, so I think just changing that mindset of, you know, wanting to truly compete to become a, an elite division one student athlete, and then a, a program is something we really had to, to shift with the current guys, but really also sell to the guys that we wanted to bring into the program. And was there anything you particularly had like success with where straight away that the players went, yeah. I love it. I'm, I'm all in on that. Was there anything, yeah. any ideas? That, like, yeah, you know, no, I think, it? you know, here's the thing. I th the, the young men and women at Yale, they are high achievers, natural high achievers. So they don't want to, they don't want to have adversity. They don't want to fail. They certainly want to be successful. Conversely of that, though, is I think they, nobody loves you know, failure or adversity, um, of course. But I think a lot of times, though, many people at a place like Yale, they rarely, if ever, have failed much in their life. Um, 
they have not they often haven't come from much ad adversity um in in their daily life they've always been you know fairly in, intelligent you know one of the best students in their classes one of the best players on their respective teams and probably in anything they've ever done um and so when they implant themselves at a place like Yale, all of a sudden, everyone else is like that, if not better. Um, and so I think that can be a really tough transition for that anyone that comes into a place like Yale to realize how many incredibly talented and uh, amazing people there, there are out there. Um, but then you can struggle with that because all of a sudden you're you're not, you're not, you don't see yourself as good as you were uh, before. And so that's a learning process and part of just maturing. Um, so I think, you know, in, in kind of circling back to your, your initial question though, is like, they do want to be successful. So they know that requires a lot of hard work and commitment and time um, and effort. And so I think the majority of the group was excited about some of the like, hey, we we want high ambition. We don't want to just talk about being okay. We want to talk about being great. Um, and here's how we have to do it. And it is going to require more time and effort and commitment and discipline. Um, and so I think the majority of, of the guys were excited about that, but they didn't they didn't realize maybe the the how hard that was going to be, you know, it's, it's not something as you know, that you can just flip a switch and all of a sudden we're competing in a national level. And so um, it was truly a, it was like this initial excitement and then this, you know, realization that, oh, wow, this, this is going to take a while. Okay. Um, and we're going to have to continue to struggle um, to get to where we want to be. And, in the end, to me, that's what makes uh, these past couple of years so much more special. Um, and I try to share that with those guys that were here in the early days of the struggles because they were a part of the, the success of, of recent years. They didn't, you know, they don't get a championship ring um, and they don't have that, you know, experience. But I try to assure them when I connect with them they were 100% of the process to get there. Um, and I really value that from them. And it was a learning experience for all of us. And, um, but to me, you have to go through some of that to get to where, where we are now and, and, and where we want to try to be. And how long do you think it took for you to get the program to a place where you were happy with it? And you said, this is something that I think Yale could be proud of, but also me as a coach, kind of my identity reflects what I want my team to look like. Yeah. I think we started to see some glimpses of it in, in 2017. Um, so what would have been my third season. Um, and, and just, I, I think there we had made some progress, even though we were still struggling for results uh, off and on, but like you could just start to see some things change in, in, in how many guys were playing in the summer at a competitive level. Um, the, the commitment and buy-in to the off-season program 
And, and so we started to see that. I think the big change probably came in the spring of 2018 when we had an opportunity to go on a foreign trip, um, which were allowed one every four years um, in the NCA. And we went to Italy. And not only was that amazing from you know a soccer standpoint, but just from a cultural standpoint, from a team bonding standpoint, um, and, and just so educational in so many ways. And so we... And we just started to build that cohesiveness and culture even more. Um, you know, Italy is, you know, as you know, just the, the history of, of the country as a whole. And then, of course, the soccer, the, few, the food, the, every, everything is pretty remarkable there. So we got we to gotta be in that environment and live that and grow closer together. Um, and then little by little, we started winning some more games, even if they're exhibition games like at that time, we really needed to feel good about ourselves and to kind of feel a little bit of progress. Um, and so we started to win some more games. And, and then that catapulted us into the fall of 18, which we ended up then having our first winning season. Um, and, you know, and then it, it was like, hey, we, we're really, we're, we're getting there. We're almost we're almost over the hump. We're not quite there, but we're almost over the hump and you can really see it. And then, and then spring of 19, I would say one key game, we played University of New Hampshire, um, which is a, a really good program in division one. They're consistently in the top 25 and it was a spring game. So it's an exhibition, but we, we dominated them that game. That was a legit performance. We also, we played um, another team really, really, really close. And I think you really started to see, like, this team is starting to believe, you know. And um, whenever I say that word now, by the way, I think of Ted Lasso um, <laughs> is, is, is the believe. And so, but, but you need that. And we... You know, and then I think that certainly momentum drove us into the success of our fall season in 2019. And, um, you know, that was technically the first year I had all of the, the guys I had recruited um, in. And, and so I think it was just, just one more page, you know, it was one more chapter to move forward with. And, um, and so I, I and, and again, I feel really good about where things are now, but, you know, we do have work to do and challenges to regain that momentum. Okay, so linking back to something you mentioned earlier around, obviously, Yale being a high, high performing institution, doesn't matter if it's academic or sport. Yeah. Um, obviously, I guess this common phrase of being like the big fish in a little pond. Yes. Or being like a little fish in a big pond type sure. type of situation. Obviously, for you guys, with the success that you have as an institution and the level of expertise that you're going to have on site, pretty much most people coming into your situation are going to be little fishes in a very big pond. Yeah. Um, how how have you seen that positively and negatively affect individuals? So is there anything that you've seen that actually people get by going into that environment, these are some of the real key characteristics they're able to take away. And is there anything you've seen where people have kind of fallen away or really struggled with that environment? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, hmm, 
I think it's I think it's a little bit of both. I would say that they are coming into an environment as a student where they are a small fish in a in a big pond, but from a division one athletic experience, I would say it's more of a, you know, big, you know, they're a big fish in a smaller pond from, from a sports standpoint, because we aren't maybe in one of the top, you know, four or five conferences in the country. And so, so, and we don't have, um, you know, we don't have what's called like power five, um, football here so it, it's like the football is a very big deal here but, but not to the extent as, as some other other universities and so it's a little bit more well-rounded here and more balanced among among the sports teams and athletes so from an athletic standpoint I'd say a little bit more we can sell the opportunity to really make an impact um, on on a program and I think a lot of the guys that we've recruited here we're really excited about, hey, like there's a lot to say about taking, you know, leading a program, being a part of something that you take, you know, from from a lower level and, and raise it to another higher level. Like that's just incredibly satisfying for any anything in life. And, you know, I think even if you talk to your family and, and employers in the future, like, you want someone like that as part of your team that wants to have the courage and bravery to take on something more like, Hey, you're not going into a national championship. You're trying to build a national championship. And so I think that's really exciting for high, high achievers and motivating people that they don't want to just follow suit. They, they want to truly be brave and, and, and lead and try something new. Um, and, and so I'll say that on that side from a student standpoint though. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, it can be overwhelming when you come in, come from being one of the best in everything you've always done to being just like everyone, if not below average, you know, or a Yale average to, to some. And so, um, you know, I, I think like like in so many aspects of life these days, and you, you even see it now with the Naomi Osaka uh, situation and the, the pressures of, of today's world and, and social media and just spotlights, um, you know, mental health comes into things a lot. And, I, and I'd say that's prevalent even more so um, collectively across the world right now, but I think even more so um, for, for young people that are having to manage more attention and more things in their life than anyone's ever had to, to manage. So I think that can be, uh, that can hold a lot of extra pressures um, for, for young people that already have such high expectations of themselves and probably come from environments, whether it be their families or their peers or teachers and coaches that have these incredible expectations of them. So, um, so that, that's something that I think is, is becoming more prevalent and, and luckily a lot of institutions and including Yale are taking that to heart and, and really embracing trying to be that much more 
accessible and inclusive, supportive of, of young people in this environment. And so, because it is hard, um, I can't imagine if, if I were, you know, an 18 to 22 year old with, uh, in today's world, there, there's a lot going on. Um, so, so I think that's something that we always have to remember as coaches is like, they, they, have so many other things in, involved. So I think we as coaches have to truly be aware of that and, and, and make those connections and, and, you know, provide that, that understanding that, um, and I think even something as simple as that goes a long ways um, of just being able to listen to them and feel and understand that they are going through a lot and balancing a lot. Um, and especially at a place like this, that is that that much more demanding. Um, so, but you know, I and I think I, I checked off a couple of questions there, Michael. Maybe didn't get to everything, but um, hopefully that that answered most of it. No, it does for sure. I think what's really interesting about your first answer around them be building almost a legacy. That's yeah. almost like your entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. which I imagine people from Yale, you know, they're going to want to go in and be successful. And many of them might become entrepreneurs or start their own businesses or yeah. be a part of a successful business. And that's kind of a, uh, you know, a, a dream that you're selling them as part of the, the football program to say, actually, yeah. you know what, you can be laying the foundations for us to go on and have success. And you can be one of those starters that gets us to the elite program and it makes the players coming into your program realize they're part of something larger yeah um, absolutely and with their teammates they can be part of that which is great and i think linking back to what you said around the academic stuff i think that's really interesting around the discussion points of just understanding that they have got a lot of pressures and identifying that we do understand that um and I guess the question I have off the back of it is, do you think it's a positive by them having kind of multiple avenues? So one thing I've spoken about quite a lot on this podcast is something I did my dissertation on is the loss of an athletic identity. And I think that, you know, players, when they get to the end of their careers, when they have to retire or get injured, when they then have no other avenue, that's when problems can arise because they've gone from being Mike Wright, the footballer, although I was never any good, Right, right, the footballer. So now, what am I? Because that's yeah. what anyone's ever known me as. Whereas the people that obviously you work with, they'll be football players, but they might also be the chemist or the biologist or the English lit major. Do you think them having these multiple avenues that them can explore allows them to be better holistically? Yeah, I do. Um, and and yeah, you're spot on with those challenges of. I was actually just reading something about LaMarcus Aldridge, um, you know, who was a former NBA player that had to had to stop playing this past year. And he was talking about his depression um, because he just had to stop all of a sudden. And, and then he's without without basketball for him. And you see that in every in every sports. Um, and when someone has has revolved their their life and, and their identity around one thing you you see that more and more and i think that's one of the great things you know yale loves people that are very curious um about a lot of things and and ha have a lot of different interests so you'll see a lot of people particularly at yale that 
you know, that pl maybe played some other sports or um, play a, an instrument um, and, you know, or in or into the arts uh, or a variety of other things, or, you know, they spend a lot of time with community outreach and, and things like that. So multiple avenues to create a bit more whole, whole wholesomeness and more well-rounded um, so that maybe you don't have that as much. Um, but, you know, I guess there's, that's a very big positive, but I think also probably one of the challenges that we have here at Yale and, and like institutions is, you know, if all of a sudden um, someone decides, well, hey, I'm, I'm more interested in, you know, focusing on research or music or art or, you know, just getting into a profession, because um, we'll have people, you know, that are already starting out with startups here at, at, at Yale and, and, you know, are coding and doing their own work on things. Well, all of a sudden it's like soccer then becomes like on the exterior um, and they're already having all these other things and your, your time and energy can only be spent so far. Um, and you're only going to be so good and so productive when you, when you have so much stuff going on. So so one of the things that we challenges we have is like if soccer continues to to get more on the exterior of the priority list then all of a sudden that player is not going to be you know as as good of a soccer player thus we're not going to have as good of a soccer team and program so so that's a that's a really tricky balance that we have to try to create here um and you know without without losing them completely uh, a lot of that starts in the recruitment process, though, and, and really trying to, to see where kids' passion and, and love and, and interest is. And, and certainly we want kids that are, that are you know, curious and, and into a lot of things, but we, we really want them to love the game and, and love training and love the, the pursuit of um, elevating a program and creating their own legacy here, because um, that, that's a really special thing. Um, like, like you said, and so um, that's our, that's our ambition and, and, you know, our men's lacrosse program here, for example, has become, you know, an elite program and, and, you know, they've, I can't imagine the challenges, you know, they've been on because they're top, you know, I, I feel like we have to regain momentum, but they were, you know, back-to-back -back national championship games ranked number one in the country when they're, the pandemic hit and, um, but that being said, they've been this barometer for me to be like, hey, like that's that's the goal. That's where we want to go. And, and we want to try to keep working to find kids that want that, um, you know, that aspiration. And and because initially it was like, hey, we want to we want to become Ivy League champs and a top 25 program. Well, we we've done that. Um, we want to keep doing that. But we also want to strive to be an elite, you know, we, we want to win a national championship. So um, I, I think that's, um, you know, I, I kind of got off track there a little bit with with that, but um, hopefully that answered some of the early part. No, for sure. And I guess a question off the back of that, for, for an individuals or individuals, sorry, individual or individuals that have done that well, so have, you know, been able to balance the academic pressure or the social pressure as well as the football side, is there any common threads in terms of characteristics or skill set that allowed them to do that? 
I think, first of all, they have to be incredibly disciplined um, with, with their time um, because they are, there is so much time and energy and emotion put into all those different things. You have to be able, and, and you can only, you know, you can only expend so much in, in each category. I think you have to be really good at managing your time, even more so than, you know, um, your, your average person with all that you want to achieve and do. And so, uh, so discipline with their time for sure. And, and I think being able, certainly being able to, to deal with and move on from challenge and, and failure and, and not dwell on that and just keep moving forward, you know, learn, learn from it, evaluate, learn, and then move forward. Uh, and, and I think those that are able to, to do that, um, end up, end up finding, you know, being able to grow and develop and find success. And, um, uh, because if all of a sudden you're not, you're not playing as much as you want, um, or you're struggling in school, it's, it's easy to kind of drop something off to, to refocus in, in, um, on, on that. And, and so I think that, yeah, dis discipline and ability to deal with, with adversity and, and changes. And I guess looking, I guess, more at yourself now, obviously, as we mentioned a lot during this, yeah, very high performance. Is there anything that you've learned either about yourself or that challenged the way that you had thought previously or the way that you work by coming to Yale and maybe stealing ideas from either other coaches or other professions or other, you know, other parts of the institution? Is there anything that you particularly picked up on and gone, actually, yeah, that's a really good way for to try and challenge you as an individual? Yeah, I think... Um... I definitely have been better and learned to ask more questions and to listen even more. Um, and I think it is always different when you when you come into a setting that does need a lot of change. Um, listening is is very important. There's no question in asking question in, in asking questions, but it's probably a little bit more. Um, you have to take a little bit more of a stronger leadership role early on to create kind of the the foundation and, and, and kind of core values that you want to uh, institute within the, the program. But I think now that we have been through some of those challenges and learned from a lot of that, we're in a better place. I'm in a better place to now just lean on a lot of other people more um, and, and have built probably more and more trust with my assistant coaches and and staff around me, um, and I think just more patience as well. Uh, I think the older I, I you know, I, I've been able to get because I, you know, everyone wants a lot of success now, um, but there are so many things that go into um, to everything a, 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 in a program, in an athletic department, in a in a university. Um, sometimes it can be extra challenging because every every place has their own policies and procedures and you have to go through certain things um, and you can do this, but you can't do that. Uh, and so I think just being able to adapt and, and go with the flow better than I used to be able to do 
um, and, and redirect focus and energy on, on kind of the battles that, you know, focusing on the battles that I think are, are worthy of, of the time and effort and energy. Um, and, and, and maybe not necessarily giving up on, on certain things, but just re refocusing. Um, so I would say asking more questions, um, being, being more patient and learning how to, to fight the battles that are worth fighting. And do you get a lot of CPD opportunities with where you are? And if you do, what do those look like? Like, where do you go and explore? And is there any particular highlight that you've had if you are able to? Yeah, you know, that's something I, I really want to do more of. Um, I would say nothing really formal in recent years. Like I, I uh, took... Um, I, I have my A license through the United States Soccer Federation, but um, there's no like program necessarily within uh, for like coaches at Yale. Certainly that's something that we can use our budget to do if we would like to. Um, but I, I mean, I have ambitions to try to do like my UEFA B at, at some point. Um, but that said, like, I mean, you know, we're, we're, information is is out there you know so prevalent prevalently these days is like definitely reading books articles podcasts you know i i'm constantly trying to uh listen and learn and and talk with other coaches whether they be at yale or through other you know colleagues and everything so i i do a lot of that stuff just not as much in a formal setting um, what I will say is Yale has a great um, like education and kind of career programming here for the university for any for any uh, employee. So I've done some of those courses in the past, which are which are really helpful, you know. And and um, unfortunately, you know, just had, haven't been able to do it with the pandemic. But um, but I think that so less so on a formal standpoint, but also always um value learning and listening perfect and then kind of linking back to your time at uh, msu obviously got an opportunity to work on well under alongside um i don't know how to pronounce his name and i don't want to butcher it so i don't know if you want to jump in and say exactly how it's pronounced but for damon yeah yeah damon renzing perfect so yeah. i guess what what did you learn working under him um, and then I guess a key consideration with them being so successful over such a sustained period of time, yeah. is there anything that you're able to put your finger on and say, actually, that's how you maintain high performance over a long period of time. Those are the values you have to have, or these are the attributes you need to, you know, provide on a day-to-day -day basis to allow you to be successful over a sustained period. Yeah. You know, I, I think, and it's probably, you know, certainly no, no secret, but I think everything revolves around relationships and, and especially in this day and age where it's, you know, you, you have fewer and fewer kind of top down models, um, whether it be in, in, in work or sport or, or really anything. And so probably the biggest thing I learned working for Damon, um, is just the importance of relationships and, and, managing 
up, managing down, managing all around the different the different people that uh, are all involved within running a, a program. Um, and because there's people don't realize there's so many people that are involved within an athletic department that have their hands on helping assist and support the various programs. And, and so having close relationships and, and helpful supportive relationships with those people, like if, if you have, if you have a positive relationship with them, they're certainly going to be much more, um, you know, liable to, to help or want to help and want to have ownership and, and, um, feel a part of the program. And so, um, I think that's something I really learned with Damon. Um, and, and the thing is, you can't, it can't always be your way. <laughs> um, you have to be able to be flexible with, with um, just a much broader scope and within various policies and procedures and, and personalities of people. And so I think, but the more relationship and time that you spend building those relationships, more people are going to want to help to be a part of that and, and try to go above and beyond. So I think but, but I also don't think most people realize how much time and energy that requires um, to have those relationships and, and have meaningful relationships, not just surface related stuff. And, um, and so, so I think that's, that's the big part of, of that. And then just truly, truly showing care and compassion um, you know, really for everyone, but of course, within your, your program for your coaches that you work with and, you know, the, and then the players and their families. And, and I think that's, that's something special that Michigan state has had for a long time. And then Damon, you know, continued that and grew it. And, um, and so I think, you know, I'm sure you've heard the quote that nobody, you know, nobody knows how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And, and I think that was, you know, kind of something that was just not said by Damon, but that's just how he, he led and managed um, people. And so, um, you know, he, he truly cared about those. And, you know, and then, but then also I would say the, there's always this competitive edge. So there's this compassionate side, but this competitive edge uh, that had a certain standard that you, you couldn't go below, you know, and, and, and so Damon was very good about being flexible, being adaptable, caring and compassionate. But if certain things hit below a certain standard, like you, you would know, and, and, and it, it, you know, you would have to then kind of reset yourself and, and make sure that you're, um, you know, not getting complacent and, and making sure that you're on top of it. And so, so having that compassion and care with a, an extreme bit of competitive edge. Um, and, and, and then I think a lot of that though also comes on the recruiting side. Like you really have to find, you know, talent is really important, no question. Um, but I think the, that having that competitive edge, you have to have like, and, and I, and I think that's harder and harder to find with, with, kids these days and, and soccer players because it's like you see all the flash and, and all the excitement and all the skill and all the talent but you don't see the work that they took to to get there and in the the failures and the challenges maybe their backgrounds that they've had to fight through um to 
to get to where they are. And so I think that's something that is so important to try to find someone that has struggled, that knows what some struggle and adversity is, um, so that when they have that, they're more liable to just put their head down and keep keep working and keep getting better. So um, that and that's that's important. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. I think everyone, you know, you look on Instagram or you look on Snapchat or TikTok yeah. and you see all the skills and all the good bit. But I think with Ronaldo, for example, Rio Ferdinand came out in an interview a couple of years ago and said he was terrible at shooting and he was embarrassed by it. So every day he used to take a bag of footballs, go to the far end of the training ground so no one could see him because yeah. he was embarrassed by himself and would work until he got better. Then he did that for the entire off season, came back in the following yeah. year and scored however many goals it was. And yeah. I think that, you know, understanding that actually the the effort that goes into being high performance, regardless of what aspect of your life is, the first port of call is working hard with it. There's yeah. very few things in life that come easily. Um, very few things that come just Absolutely. by snapping your fingers. Actually, it takes effort to you know, write a song or it takes effort to run a marathon or it takes effort to write an academic paper, but yeah. that's your number one starting point and then everything else will follow. Yeah, no, no question. You, you nailed it. And um, yeah. And so that, that's so important to try to find um, because I, I think you can't, you can't, you really can't fake it. Um, <laughs> you know, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna know, uh, what you have when that when that moment comes of of challenge and um that's why it's so important to to try to find find that and then cultivate that and then when you do have those challenges um optimize the the learning and opportunity of it perfect so uh, Kylie, i'm going to ask you one more question which is something i ask everyone which is who is the best player or coach you've worked with or against and why Oh, best player or coach. So, um, wow. Wow. That's a <laughs> best player or coach. I would say the best player I ever played with um, was one of my teammates at Creighton University. Um, Richard Mulrooney was his name. He's now the head coach of, of um, University of Memphis. And he ended up having a very good MLS career, had some caps with the national, men's national team as well, too. Um, and he was just so balanced, such a good player on both sides of the ball and relentlessly competitive, but a, but a good guy. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, not a fancy name maybe, but like also incredibly talented as well, too. So I, I would say... Him, direct player, um, I would say coach, man, that's a, that's a good one. Um, I would say I'll, I'll give you three. <laughs> I mean, I think like just Bobby Clark, um, the, the longtime coach from, you know, Notre Dame, Stanford, Dartmouth before that, um, and he had spent some time in New Zealand. I don't know. Do you know that name? Uh, in passing, yeah. Okay, yeah. He's he, you know, he even I think he played 
with or for Sir Alex at Aberdeen um, way back because um, he's he's old, he's retired now and older. Um, but had the opportunity to work a lot of his camps at Notre Dame, coach against him many times. And, and so him, I think um, one of his kind of protégés, I would say, Brian Weiss, who's now at Georgetown University and has done phenomenal there and, and you know, won a national championship in 2019. Um, and then the last one, I'd say Jeremy Gunn, um, who I've coached against, um, you know, who's at Stanford now. And I'm, we have uh, one of his former assistants on my staff, uh, Charles Rodriguez. And so, um, you know, been able to, to maybe steal some of the, the, the Jeremy Gunn model in some ways. Perfect. I'm actually hoping to get Jeremy on soon. We're currently in talk. So yeah. it sounds like there would be a really interesting one to have a discussion with. And yeah, like... he's, I mean, he's as good as it gets. Perfect. Listen, Kylie, really appreciate your time. It's been a great yeah. conversation. I mean, we haven't even touched on any of the like football philosophy side yeah. and a lot around the environment, but I think a fascinating insight into what you guys are doing there and how you've gone around uh, sculpting a program, etc. Yeah. So really appreciate your time and hopefully we could do this again soon. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Perfect. Speak to you soon. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Sports Initiative podcast with me, Michael Wright. Please remember to follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at the Sports Initiative podcast and share this podcast with friends and family. I'll see you next week.